You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. I plan to stay here, so any of you young preachers looking to take over? <laughs> because Miss Ann and I have found, found our home here, and we just want to say how much we love all of you and appreciate you. We uh, have been to other places and pastored larger churches, and uh, have never had such acceptance and love and the kind of respect that you show us is really undeserved, <laughs> but we appreciate it very much. <laughs> well, Miss Ann deserves it, I'll say Miss Ann deserves it. And what I love about you, and especially about the leadership here, is that you understand my ministry, that I'm not technically a pastor. My ministry is more apostolic in nature, and these, these elders have recognized that and celebrate that and let me do what I what I do and they even told me when we came here at first well we're glad you're coming but we're really more excited about Miss Ann coming than we are you <laughs> so <laughs> so I, th I thought we were probably gonna be okay like that that's sort of why she always introduced me for those of you who are visiting today that's why she sort of introduces me as a like a guest speaker because <laughs> She really runs everything, she and her board and her staff. But I'm grateful to be called upon to speak to you because I have something to say. As we have been discussing here what redemption means, you all know by now that I'm not a big holiday speaker. I, I, I try, and I'm gonna talk about you, Mom, probably before the day is out, but I don't, I don't prepare a lot of sermons about Mother's Day and Father's Day and even Christmas and Easter sometimes, I, I miss the whole point. <laughs> sometimes. I try, but it's not my forte. Women represent creation. As God was Adam's father, who was his mother? Mother Earth. He was made of dirt. God spoke to the earth and it brought forth. God's word is a seed. And she brought forth. Amen. That's powerful, isn't it? Part of creation. I'll ask you to take your Bible if you remember where we were. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when we started this message last week about what redemption means. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, what redemption means. And I want to read the entire text again, but I won't re-preach all I did last week. just want to give you this. 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of God constrains us, because with us judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. He's saying, what's the point of somebody dying for you if you, if you weren't already dead, suffering, suffering from death? And that he died for all, that they which live should not live, henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Verse 16, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Remember we talked about 1 John, how John said we touched him, we handled him, we saw him, we heard him, all that. And, and that's, that, that is the testimony of the original 12. 
not of Paul, but of the original 12. That's how John talks, even late in his ministry, that those letters of John were probably written sometime in the 60s, maybe even 70s. And, uh, and then uh, First and Second Peter talk, talk about Jesus the same way, kind of in the natural realm. And, and we talked about how that everybody has great value. But then we get to verse 17, and this is where we stopped last time. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The fourth thing I want to talk to you about is that redemption makes everything new. Redemption makes everything new. Redemption makes everything new. Re re redemption has this great quality of reconciliation in it. And it makes everything new. He said, Behold, if any man be in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I've asked the Lord years ago about why. Why was it necessary? Why couldn't we just be reformed? Why couldn't we just be patched up? Why couldn't we just be repaired and fixed, you know, and that be good enough? But it wasn't good enough. We had to, be, we had to be, become a brand new creature. He asked me one time, would you rather have a new car, an old car that was fixed or a brand new car? I said, I'd rather have a brand new car. He said, me too. <laughs> brand new creature. When you came to Jesus and when you come to Christ, it means on the inside, in your spirit man, in your inner man, you are a brand new person. The, the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, gave us an interesting look at this when he said, uh, the potter made of pot, and behold, it was marred in the potter's hand. Marred in the potter's hand. So it says, so he made it again another. Now, I don't have any problems with making it again. I don't have, have proper problems with making it again. But I don't know how you make it again. That sounds like repair. <clears throat> and make it another. When it was finished with the pot the second time, was it still it? Or was it another? It was, the answer is yes. It was still it and it was still another. That's how you are when you come to Christ. You're still who you are. You, you still got the same name and social security number. Unless you're running from the law. <laughs> you're, still, you're still it, but you've become another on the inside. You're not like you were. Your thoughts, intents, actions, they're not the same. You've become brand new on the inside, and everything about your inner man is now like Jesus. Everything about your inner man is now like Jesus. Your outer man is still like you. Your inner man still is, is just like Jesus. That's why anything is possible with you. Anything is possible with him who believes God. Anything can happen that, that, that can happen in heaven. It can happen here just about. Right. You understand? Because you're brand new. And, and he had to do that to fully help you fully escape from the effects of sin. You understand when your, your parents talk to you about sowing wild oats, if you sow wild oats, you'll have to reap them. You remember your parents saying that to you? Yeah, they said, you, 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 you sow the wind, buddy, you'll reap the whirlwind. <laughs> In Oklahoma, we know what wind is, don't we? Right. I was terrified. You sow the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. I didn't want no tornado in my life. Because you reap what you sow. It's an inescapable fact. It starts in Genesis chapter 8. 
As long as there remains, as the earth remains, there shall not cease to be seed time and harvest. And it goes all the way to Galatians chapter 6, where it said, Be not deceived, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, God, help me. I've sold a lot of bad oats. How many of you sold a few bad seeds? Come on, be honest, be honest. Don't, 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 don't look at anybody. Just kind of hold your hand up. For... <laughs> sold some bad seed. I sold some bad seed over in Love County. <laughs> I did some naughty things, bad things when I was a boy growing up. Yeah. How does God fix this? How does God keep then you from having to experience all that you sowed in abundance, in harvest? I mean, you know, when you're sowing, you reap. One of the laws of harvest is you always reap more than you sow. Or what farmer would stay in that business? Plant a seed, get a seed back. Thank you. Huh? You're not going to give thanks for sowing the seed and getting the seed back. That's just work for nothing. Just keep the seed you have. Eat it. Huh? One of the laws of harvest is, is that you got to you sow uh, you sow a certain amount and you reap a, you reap multiplied back thirty, sixty, a hundred fold. Right. It's one of the laws of the harvest. That's why we give. That's why we that's why we sow our finances because we believe this. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's why you sow your word out there because you believe it's going to bring back a harvest. You tell a kid no, no, and the first first word children learn is no. That's all right, because it helps, them, it helps them when they get older to learn that, 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 that no comes back when they're tempted by all kinds of things. More than just cookies, stealing a cookie. Now they're tempted by all kinds of things. Big things. They've got, they got enough no in them to say no. Harvest. Well, how do you escape it then? What is, what's God going to do to keep you from having to reap all that garbage you sowed? All that bad crop that's yours? You deserve it. Every last bit of it. It's all yours. God uh, will not be mocked. He's going to make you reap what you sow. That's what it says. But the thing is, when you come to Christ, you're a new creature. He makes you a brand new creature. He makes you all over again. And in that realm where that harvest, that bad harvest was sown and should be reaped, it can't find your address because you're not the same person you were. Amen. It was a different person that sold all that, and it's a different person now, praise God, that is on the receiving end of, of the harvest. Now, you're not on the receiving end of the harvest you sowed, the, seed, the crop you sowed. You're on the receiving end of the cro crop that Jesus sowed. Yes. Hallelujah. You became a new creature. Now you look like him. The devil shows up at your place with some of that bad stuff. You go, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wrong guy in the doorbell. Get, check the address again. Little demon over there in the ad address book. No, it says holler right here, John T. Holler. Not many of them in the world. <laughs> well, it looks like him, but it's not him. Sorry, sir. They have to not bring you your harvest because you're a new creature. Amen. Old things have passed away. And behold, God couldn't change the law of seed time and harvest, so he just changed the recipient. He just changed you. Ooh, Praise man. be to God. Come on, you ought to high-five somebody over that. That's good news right there. He, he wouldn't change the laws of seed time and harvest. He'll not be mocked. But if he just changed you, that fixed the problem. Amen. Praise God. Most people don't have answers like that. Heard about one guy took his, took his car to the mechanic, and the mechanic said, well, I couldn't fix your brakes, so I made your horn louder. 
That's no answer. That's no fix at all. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us a ministry of reconciliation. That is to say that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And I want you to notice, when was God reconciling the world to himself? Today? No. Yesterday? No. When they had a big revival? No. During the Reformation? No. During the Great Awakening? No. That was not when God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. When was the world reconciled to God? The world was reconciled to God when Christ did what He did. We're, not, we're still not trying to get the world reconciled to God. As far as God is concerned, He reconciled the world unto Himself. That does not mean that everybody's automatically saved. Don't, 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 go, don't go there. I'm gonna, we're going to finish this, this line of thinking. The world was reconciled to God by God, the Father who deemed every man worthy of being His own family. Through Jesus Christ. What the Lord Jesus Christ did at, at Golgotha, He did for all man for all time. And that's why we freely preach this gospel. Christ died for your sins. Christ died for your sins. That means your sins have already been dealt with. There's not one thing for you to do about it except believe this message. That Christ died for your sins. If I could get everybody that I've ever known, every religious person I've ever known uh, who, who claimed to be Christian to hear the real gospel that Christ died for your sins. And it's not about how you perform, not about one thing you do. Amen. It's about believing what He did. Yeah. Christianity is not about you and your performance. Christianity is about Him and His performance. Amen. We simply believe it. By the, word we, by the way, we made up the word Christianity. It's not in the Bible. Yeah, that's right. It was actually a derogatory term. Christian. Derogatory term. Those little Christs. Those little Christians. Those like Christ. They're picking on us. We just, we just embraced it. Said, we like that. We are like Christ, and you are. When you fully understand the revelation of what it means to be at peace with God... You're like Christ on the inside. You have the capability and potential that Jesus did when He walked on water, when He raised the dead, when He cast out devils, when He healed the sick. Everything that Jesus ever did, opened blind eyes, opened deaf ears. When Jesus did that, you have that capability and power working on the inside of you right now. Amen. Because Christ died for your sins. The only thing that separated you from God was what Adam did. What separated you from God was not what you did. If, if what you did did not separate you from God, but you were born in this condition, then what you do cannot bring you back to God. I'm going to try this bunch right over here. <laughs> if what you did could not separate you from God, did not separate you from God, then what you do now cannot bring you back to God. I'm going to try this side over here. If what... You get the point. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be about Jesus or this is just another religion somebody made up. That's right. this is, it has to be all about Him and His way. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. God wanted you saved. Amen. He didn't want you to straighten up. He wanted you saved. Yeah. Straightening up is a byproduct. <laughs> Straightening up is a byproduct. It's not a turn or burn situation. Give me a break. You've heard me say these things before. But straightening up is a byproduct of being saved. 
who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us to us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, now this gets a little bit scary. That is to say that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Hallelujah for that. Didn't say, that, didn't say acting like they didn't sin. Didn't say for those who didn't sin, not imputing their trespasses unto them. That means these are people who have sinned. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us this word of reconciliation. So what it, what it means is two things. That you are reconciled, redemption means that you are reconciled back to God. And reconciliation cannot be thought of as something that happens between two total and, total and complete strangers. Two total and complete, complete strangers are never considered reconciled when they, when they meet. Huh? Two, two personal friends that love each other and have always been faithful to each other and always been loyal to each other. We don't call that reconciliation. No one ever talks about reconciling two strangers. No one ever talks about two reconciling two. Reconciliation is for those who are estranged. Reconciliation is for enemies who were once allies. Once allies, now enemies. And reconciliation means they have come back together. What this says, this very word means, is proof that we were once right with God, and something happened to alienate us, and now we've been brought back to God. Ooh. We've been reconciled to God. That's what reconciliation means. The rift between us is no longer there. Hebrews 10, 14. Let's read it together. Can you turn there? Can you put it on the board for me? Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering, He hath perfected forever. Everybody say perfected forever. How long? Perfected forever. How long? Perfected forever. Forever. Them that are sanctified. One translation says those who are being sanctified. And I like that, that we are sanctified or we're being sanctified, but we're already perfected forever. Forever. Right, right now is part of forever. Right now is part of forever. I used to say, when I would say something dramatic and it'd start raining, I would think, see, God's blessing us. I'm not so sure now. <laughs> We're about to overflow with blessings. Greg said last night he was ready for a different kind of blessing. <laughs> Some sunshine blessing. He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified or them that are being sanctified. The, the tense of the Greek verb really, really says it's a, in progress. They're in the process of being sanctified really is, what it, is how it's best believed and best understood. One offering he has perfected forever. Not by your offering, not by anything you did. You've got to read it like it says it. With this one offering Jesus made, God perfected forever those who are presently being sanctified. You were perfected forever, and for, it's not talking about from now on. It's talking about for all time. You do, you do not use the forever just meaning from now on. The forever means for all time. Continuum. For all time. And it, it happened 2,000 years before you were even born. Oh, wow, this is powerful. I uh, 
read a little article about the Golden Gate Bridge. They started constructing the thing in 1933. Some guy named Moore or something like that was the chief engineer on the job. It spans the San Francisco Bay, you know, the air, the, that, that entrance into the bay. It's about two miles, 1.7 miles or something like that. And it connects San Francisco with Marin County. And uh, it took them four years to build it, just over four years to build it. They started building it in January of 33 and ended in May of 30, uh, 37. And they had a big dedication for the thing. I wrote down a few of the statistics. It said they had 83,000 tons of steel in the thing. 83,000 tons of steel. That's 800 car trains full of steel. Eight 100 car trains. That's 800 rail cars full of steel. Wow. wow. To build it. 80,000 miles of wire. 80,000 miles of wire. That's three and a half times around the, around the planet. And when they were dedicated to the thing, that engineer wrote, uh, said, made a speech on the day they dedicated it. He said, I present to you a bridge that will last forever. Well, not really. <laughs> They've had to maintain it. They've had to work on it. They, 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 didn't, they didn't think about earthquakes, how, how many times earthquakes have shaken it and messed it up. They've had to go back in there and fix it a lot. Every few years, they had to do a big, massive renovations on, on the bridge that was supposed to last forever because bridges that are made by men don't last forever. Hello, religious person. Your bridge to God will never last. It's going to need constant maintenance. But I'm here to talk to you about a bridge that was built between God and men to last forever. Glory be to God. He has forever reconciled those. Hallelujah. The second thing in that verse, that those two verses there, it says, is that we are recruited. He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Recruited. Oh. Now that you're in this thing, you're expected to tell somebody. Now that you're in this thing, you're expected to tell somebody. Melissa here has been to a couple of services here, and the Holy Ghost has spoken to her both times in powerful terms. And you know why? Because she has a loving friend who invited her to church. How many of you got to church because somebody invited you to church? Look at this, look at this. You, you came because somebody invited you. Even Linda raised her hand. <laughs> you came to church because somebody, let, let me see your hands again. Let me see, how many of you came because somebody invited you? That's, that's 80% of us came to church because somebody invited us. You know what that means? You needed a bridge. You needed a bridge. That's what, we've been recruited to talk to people about this bridge that's been built from man to God, which means that you become part of the bridge. Part of the purpose of you being here still is to help others find the Lord, help others hear this message, help others come to Jesus. We've been recruited. You've been recruited for a real purpose, a purpose that's everlasting. Not everybody has a job that's worth keeping. I've had a couple of jobs that weren't worth having, <laughs> so I didn't keep them. I was working in a factory. Oh, I hated that job. 
Oh, I, I, I'd, walk, I, I'd watch these guys who'd been there for 30 years. They walk like zombies. It could, and every time they pass me, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, every time they pass me, I would hear music playing. It was terrible. Just looking in their eyes, I told my wife, I said, I can't stay here. I can't stay here. I was a young, I was just a teenager. I said, I can't stay. I, I hate this place. I, this is not for me. But I found a job. Amen. It's more than a job. It's my life's work. Even when I was still working for the Santa Fe Railroad, this was my real job. I was, I think I told you all about this, this happening maybe a few months ago, but it bears repeating. My pastor, Jim Hester, is part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Don't, don't throw anything. He was, he's a real good dude. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. And, and the Texas Baptist Convention kicked him out, but the National Convention let him stay. So he still paid his dues, and he's still a member in good standing and all that. But he's retired now, and I go see him pretty, pretty periodically. But when he retired from his pastorate, from his church, he was only, he wasn't even quite 70 years old, and he spent the last, he spent the last 20 years, or 15 years, I guess I'd say, uh, uh, supporting missionaries, traveling around preaching and supporting missionaries. He just traveled around and supported missionaries because he, he, uh, he had supported them as a pastor, and when he stopped pastoring, he didn't have the money, you know, to support him anymore. So uh, he had to travel and preach. And, and one of the places he wound up was in Hawaii. The Southern Baptists asked him to go to Hawaii one time and, and do some preaching over there. They didn't want him preaching here, but they felt like it'd be okay for him to preach over there. <laughs> so I don't know why. And, and he, he went, to, went to Hawaii with, a, with another guy. They walk, he said, we're walking through the mall. And I said, why are you telling me this story, Pastor John? He said, it, it, uh, Pastor Jim, he said, it, it, it involves you, John. He says, walking through the mall. And, I, and went by the Sears store. Was it Sears or J.C. Penney? Sears. Sears store. Went by the Sears store. He said they had a little kiosk out in front of the main doors going into the, into the place. And he said, there's a woman there at this kiosk. He said, hey, you gentlemen, could I, could I, could I interest you in some insurance? I, I got life insurance here for sale. And it's at a real cheap price. And, and Pastor Jim said, no, we're, I, I have plenty of life insurance. Thank you, ma'am. He said she was real aggressive. Oh, but please, just, just come over here a minute. Let me talk to you. And so... So he said, so we said, all right. So walked over there to the kiosk, and the lady's just talking to him about, about insurance. And he said, I'm telling you, we already have, I, I don't need any insurance. I'm not going to buy it. She said, well, could you, could you give me just a minute to tell you about my real job? Because I just do this to make money, but I have another job. It's my real job. And Pastor Jim said, well, what's that? She said, my real job is telling people about Jesus Christ. <laughs> she said, I, I, she said I'd, love to, I'd love to, Talk, talk to you gentlemen about Jesus and what he did for me, how he, how, how he saved me from my sins, and how he filled me with his spirit. And, and, and Pastor Jim said, hey, we're, all, we're, we're already saved. She said, you are? For real? He said, yeah, for real. We're, we're Baptist preachers. And she said, well, Jesus loves Baptists too, you know. And she just said, <laughs> he said, no, we're real Christians. He said, man, she was aggressive. She was aggressive. And uh, he said... She said, where are you from? You sound like you're from Texas. She, he said, I am from Texas, praise God, you know. And she said, uh, she said, oh, man, the man that won me to the Lord is from Texas. She said, I, I really love him. And he said, well, wh wh whereabouts Texas? She said, oh, a place you probably never heard of, San Angelo. And he said, what? Uh, he said, I have a son in the faith in, in San Angelo. 
What's his name? And she said, his name is John Holler. I'd, I'd won her to the Lord, and she got baptized in the Holy Ghost when I laid my hands on her. And, and Pastor Jim said, that's who I'm talking about. Of all the preachers there are in this world, what in the world? And she said, oh, you know, they had a little, had a little, had a little hootenanny about John Holler, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he called me up and said, John, boy, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're telling people. But whatever it is, when they leave your place, they are, they are armed and dangerous. And that's why, that's, amen. That's why, that's why I added the words armed and dangerous to that prayer that we pray to, to dismiss you because that's what he said. I don't know what you, what you say to them, but they, when they leave you, they're armed and dangerous. Amen, amen, amen. Hawaii. I got a missionary in Hawaii. Praise God. As Pastor Jim says, it's high warrior. High warrior. Yeah. You've been recruited. Your real job, your real job is one of passing on this message. See, you don't, have to, you don't have to be all that smart about how to tell somebody about Jesus. I keep saying it, and I'm going to say it to you one more time. There is no bad way to tell a lost person about Jesus. Amen. Just try. Just do something. Say the word church. Do something <laughs> to get their attention some way. And the Lord will give you guidance. You just open your mouth and He'll fill it. He'll help you. Just talk to them about Jesus. Keep it centered on Jesus. Don't talk to them about what they have to do because they're going to talk to you about that. You can tell the world is religionized. Completely imperfect. Well, I don't hurt anybody. I do good things. I give to the boys club and, 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 I, and I, do, I, I call my mama twice. They come up with all this religious stuff that they got from the church, by the way. Yeah. Just keep talking to them about Jesus and what He did. The centerpiece of, of all of Christianity is this man named Jesus. Glory to God. Talk to them about what He did and what you believe, not what you do. Well, I believe you can be a Christian without going to church. They'll always say something stupid like that, you know. Uh, I was uh, thinking about Bubba and Cooter. Somebody told me a story the other day about Bubba and Cooter. Y'all know Bubba and Cooter, don't you? They live right down the road from you. I know they do. They live right behind Greg. No. <laughs> at, least, at least Cooter does. <laughs> Bubba and Cooter were... Uh, saw a job posted on the, on the board for promotion. But they had to take a test to qualify. So they both went down and took the test. They walked into the to the uh, personnel manager, and the personnel manager said, Bubba, I'm giving you the job. Now, you and Cooter made exactly the same score, but Bubba, you're going to get the job. Cooter threw a fit. Why come he gets the job? You already done said. We both made the same on the, on the test. I want the job too. Well, no, there's a reason why you can't have the job, Cooter. Bubba's getting the job. Oh, why come? Well, it comes down to, it comes down to question number 46. Bubba, you answered I don't know. Cooter, you answered, me neither. <laughs> how many of you are How many of you are How many of you are <laughs> Come back to me, Larry. Come back to me. <laughs> how many of you are grateful that your recruitment doesn't depend on how well you perform? Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, holler. You just said it's already done. Yeah, I did. As far as the Father is concerned, as far as God is concerned, it's already done. There's nothing more for Him to do. Now, Paul says to them, you be reconciled to God. Now, since God's reconciled to you, you be reconciled to God. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? I, now, now, I got, now the other shoe drops. Now I've got to go to work. No. The Bible teaches us clearly that you're not saved by grace alone, but you're saved by grace through faith. It does sometimes say you're saved by grace. Other times it says you're saved by faith. But if, Ephesians 2.8 says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now hear me. What he's saying here is, God's already reconciled you by grace now, if you'll be reconciled to Him, you'll do it by what you believe. You'll do it by believing it. God's already reconciled Himself to you by faith, by, by grace. And if you'll be reconciled to Him, you'll do it by believing it. Just believing it. Believing it in your heart. But let me, say, let me tell you something about real faith. It drives you to do things. It drives you to get other people in the kingdom. It drives you to give your money. It drives you to be in church even when it's raining. It drives you. Faith compels people like nothing else. All the judgmental preaching I could do in this world to make this church grow wouldn't work. But when I stand up here and preach grace and faith, the church is just booming with people coming. Are you hearing me? It drives us, it compels us because it's a love and we know this is love. When you're saved by grace through faith, we know this is God's love manifesting in the world. When it's you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, that's not love. Talking to nobody on the planet believes it is. Well, if you're going to be my wife, you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you've got to do this. You know what? She ain't going to be your wife, buddy. <laughs> she ain't going to be your wife by how well she has to perform, how well you perform. That's not what makes a marriage. That's not what makes love. That's, that is not about love. Love, though, compels us and drives us to do things. I know when Matt, uh, Pierce Thomas, my grandson, not Max, but his older brother, came to spend the night with us Friday night because we took him to his basketball game. I know some would think he wasn't the best player out there. I know some people are stupid, and they wouldn't think he was the best player out there. But he was the best player out there. And I know that his mama would not really appreciate when he asked me, Papa, can I have chocolate when I get to the house? I know she would not really appreciate that because he was going to try to go to bed. And chocolate's a stimulant. And I know that she would not appreciate that if I let him eat all the chocolate he wanted, and I did. He said, how many can I have? I said, how many can you hold? <laughs> I did. I know she would not tolerate, she would not appreciate me letting him stay up late. Because that chocolate got him all hyped up. But he did. Because I don't act toward him because he performs well. Or because I demand him to perform well. I just can't help myself. My love compels me to give him what he wants. You are saved by grace through faith. And that, not of yourselves, that means not how you perform. But when you are, know you're saved and when faith is active, it will drive you to live a different life.
it will compel you to be different and to exceed and excel in all that you do and all that you represent. The sixth thing he says here in verse 20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ did beseech you by, as God, though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. Redemption is free, but it must be received. That's what we just talked about. Redemption is free, but it must be received, and it's received by faith. Remember Jesus said, I mean, John said of Jesus, He came into His own, and His own received Him not, but as many as received Him, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become, or the word there for power is really authority, it's really exousia, not dunamis, gave the authority, to them gave He the authority to become the sons of God, even to those who repent of their sins? Nope. Even those who believe on His name. I'm not saying you shouldn't repent. If you need to repent, repent all you want to. But I'm just telling you, it says those who believe. Because repentance is really found inside of faith. You can repent without faith and still not get any, do any business with God. Remember, Islam repents professionally. All the major religions, they have specialized repentance. They've got it all named. They call it penance. They call it, you know, Hail Marys and Our Fathers and all kinds of stuff you do for penance, to repent. And we've so majored on that. And I'm not saying you don't need to do it. I'm just saying that, mm. Acts chapter 11 said, when they, when they believed, God granted them repentance. So if I can get you in faith, I don't, need to, I don't need to bark at you about repenting all the time. It'll take care of itself. If I bark at you repenting all the time, I'm making an assumption that you're still in sin. And I don't believe that about anybody. I don't believe that about anybody here. You probably came to church here today thinking, man, oh man, I need to quit that. I need to grow this out. I need to cut that off. I need to do all this. You know. But the truth is, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to qualify our existence with God by, our, by what is going on in our inner man. You qualify your existence with God, your re relationship with God by what's going on inside you, what you're really like. Who are you really? Who are you really? And who you really are is that born-again man, that born-again person that has every right to live right. You have every right to live right. You have every right to walk free from every kind of hang-up and sin, every kind of stupidity, because sin isn't all that offensive to God, except in, the, in that He knows what it does to you. Can I get a good amen? amen? And I'm almost finished. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What that says is that redemption is a great exchange. Redemption is a great exchange. A great exchange of your unrighteousness for His righteousness. Your sickness for His wholeness. Your brokenness for His wellness. Hallelujah. Your, 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 your poverty for His wealth. Praise God. Everything that's wrong with mankind gets turned right with Jesus. Amen. God made an exchange. He gave, the, he gave the just for the unjust, that we through him might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
He became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteous. That's, a, that's an incredible thing. It's, it's almost beyond comprehension that God would take the innocent for the vile and sacrifice the innocent so that the vile could be made innocent. Praise God. So, the, so that the unworthy could be made worthy. A great exchange. I'm interested in one thing. I have one cause. That is to cause you to see Jesus in a light that makes you love Him. That makes you love Him so deeply, so powerfully, that you would not cause any infraction, do anything to be offensive to Him. Because I believe that He is enough. Come on, I'm telling you the truth now. I believe that Jesus is enough to make a difference in your life. If we make, our, we make our faith all about Jesus and our redemption all about Him buying us back. You know, He used to own us. He owned us in the garden. Mm -hmm. then, we were, then we were estranged through sin. Then He bought us back. He bought us back. Paid a price that you could not pay. I owed a debt. I could not pay. He paid a debt He did not owe. Amen. Thinking, my one, my one cause in this earth is to see God's people love Jesus instead of fear Him. Fear Him only in the faith sense and in the, in the honorable sense. But not to be afraid of Him. Preachers want you to be afraid of God. That way they can control you. And I don't want to control you until I learn how to control myself. When I get that figured out, we'll be all right. Let me get that in there. Got no need to try to control anybody. But my, prop, my proposition today is to teach you that redemption means a few things. Redemption means primarily that you are reconciled to God by what Jesus did. Your performance ought not to be to try to please God. Your faith pleases God. Your performance should come out of that and will if you'll let it. Amen. Amen. You just automatically do what's right. Just automatically do what the, the, the Apostle Paul said it like this. Gentiles who do by nature the things contained in the law. You, know, they don't, don't, you don't have to read the law. Why do you want to read the history? Pastor Curtis used to always say. Why do you want to read the history? You still haven't got to hold the mystery yet. <laughs> I want to know the mystery, not the history. I do know the history. Like Paul the Apostle knew the history. But he was more concerned about the mystery. You get people saying, and we had a little conversation there before church, you get people saying, well, I believe you ought to teach the whole Bible. Well, okay, you don't either. You don't either. Because you were rebellious when you were a teenager. If you were rebellious when you were a teenager in the old Bible, they dragged you to the gates of the city and stoned you. You wouldn't even be here saying that. How many of you were a little bit rebellious when you were a teenager? Let me see your hands. See, you'd all been dead at the gates of the city. It that have one of those little crosses up by where you got stoned. Your name on it. No, you don't want us teaching the whole Bible. That's what, that, that's what you get with the whole Bible. You want us teaching the mystery that is in the whole Bible. Praise God. That mystery is all about Jesus and us coming to, to faith. Praise God. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these, your precious people. I thank you for the word of God and the power of redemption at work here today. 
I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just, for just a moment. Everyone here, please keep your heads bowed for just a moment. Because I want to speak to some here who feel estranged from God. The reason you feel estranged from God is because you probably are estranged from God or you've believed a lie. Either you've believed a lie or you are estranged from God. And either of those things can be corrected here in a moment today. What it means is <clears throat> there's a God in heaven that loves you and wants to bring you into a deeper, more powerful relationship with Him. He loves you just like you are. Redemption means bought back. That's all it means, bought back. They put out coupons and the store buys them back. The store buys those coupons back and you get them redeemed and you get your product at a cut rate because they buy back their coupons. It was their coupon when they sent it out and they bought it back because you brought it back. The Almighty God is buying you back, has bought you back. If you're, if you're saved today, that means that the Lord bought you back. But the, rather, the, the, rather than like the store, uh, unlike the store who has to wait for you to bring it back, God just went ahead and deemed it necessary and, and right for all men to be reconciled. He just went ahead and did it all in one fell swoop. He said, I stand good for it all with this one caveat, whoever will believe this. Christ died for their sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now listen to me. You've heard me preach this over and over and over. You're going to hear it some more because I was called to preach the gospel. And the gospel is simple for everyone who will believe it. If you're here in this place today and you say, you know what? I've never made this commitment. I've never said Jesus come into my heart. Jesus come into my life. I've never asked the Lord to save me. I've never believed on him for myself. But today I want to. I want to say that's me. That's me you're talking to, Holler. I want that. Would you raise your hand and let me pray for you?